What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. Very excited to be talking about Journey Talks. We have Maya Lockwood joining us on the show. Hi, Maya. Hi. Thanks, Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that this is finally <laughs> happening. It's been a long time. I think maybe around four years ago, I attended your Journey Talks, and it was one of the most important, pivotal moments in my life, and it just started expanding me out into a bunch of different important people and fields and spiritual processes and I'm so proud that you know you've had this this trajectory with your life up until now with IndieBio and I'm really excited to unpack that with everyone those who don't know Maya's background she is the communications director at IndieBio member of SOS Ventures which is the world's leading biotech accelerator and you can find the link in the bio below Maya, let's start things off by talking about what are your thoughts on the direction of our world? Oh my goodness. Well, there's two directions we could go in. There is the one of optimism hope, and there is one of doom and gloom. And so I'm always the eternal optimist and thinking that we're going to go in the direction of light. And so that's what I'm hoping for. And what would you say is a core principle that we need to embody to get to the direction of light? Mm. Go within, go mm -hmm. within, connect with yourself, um, start to really uh, unpack the things that are going on within you. And how does one go about that inward journey? There's many paths, you know, one of them that we are most well aware of is meditation. And so I'm a big proponent of meditation, sitting in silent, listening to yourself. And what usually comes up when you do that or when other mm. people do that when you talk to them about their experiences? Sometimes if you sit long enough, you'll become aware of the voice within your head and understanding that you're the observer of this voice and that it's not really you and that the you is something much bigger. What do you think that you that's much bigger is? Um, I think it's channeled uh, mm. source, channeled from source, whatever you may call it, whether it's the universe, divine, God, goddess, life. It's different for everyone, your highest self. And so that we're, we're observing that, that channeling process? Uh, well, you're observing your thoughts. I, I call it the big you and the little you. So the big you is, is watching the little you the chatter, talk. Uh, the big in, you is this higher the higher self yes is watching the little you which yes. is the one that's in this body yes yeah okay and there's like kind of like a co-creative process happening between them if you're lucky yes if you're, if you're lucky, lucky you have a co-creative process going with big your your higher self and your your other self uh where you're living in a in true alignment with whatever is being channeled um but many of us don't have, many of us aren't living in that alignment, so. So the more we get into that alignment, the more we have a positive trajectory for our future. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. More likely the more we can bring our unique gifts forward and know ourselves and then help others with that same process and drive more of a cohesive social fabric type of stuff. That's the journey. That's the journey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about your journey? 
Well, oh my goodness. Tell us about where you were born, who you were growing up, how you got interested in what you care about. So I was born in a jungle in uh, Bangladesh, which is a very small but populous Islamic country uh, between Burma and India. And Small in terms of land size, but not population-wise. Right. It's the size of Wisconsin, a population of over 165 million people. It's very densely populated. And so I was born uh, to a woman who was tribal and uh, from a matrilineal tribe uh, that is a small minority in Bangladesh. They pick up about 1% of the population. So the oldest matrilineal tribes left here on this planet. And so she was 14 and uh, she was sold to my father as a third wife and he was Muslim. And so I was put up for adoption uh, about five months after I was born. And I was uh, put into a American family with an American family and so that's who I grew up with. That's my family. And so uh, I spent about the first 14 years or so in Southeast Asia growing up there and my parents worked in international development and then I moved to the United States went to school here and uh, pursued a degree in communications and political science and uh, spent a lot of my time uh, interested in uh, personal growth and that eventually led me to want to find out more about my roots. So I went back to Bangladesh to meet my mother when I was 33 years old, my biological mother. So that was my big journey. And from that experience, a whole new world opened up into the exploration of self and understanding self. And through that understanding of self, I did a lot of healing and I also became more empowered and tapped into my own potential. Yeah. Wow. Do you remember the, those first moments of life for you with your biological mother? I don't remember, but uh, a lot of the things I'm sure I experienced were pre-verbal, mm. so uh, I have done a lot of research and uh, delving into early childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, I, as I learn more about myself, I understand that the first year of my life was very traumatic, having been taken away from my biological mother, mm. put in an orphanage, mm. and then put up for adoption. Understanding how my brain was developing even before I was born in the womb uh, and responding to various uh, uh, f the, the fear of my mother and the environment outside of me. So. Wow! And what is a like? What is the what is a matrilineage? What what is that? And how is how do you know it's like one of the oldest in the world? That type of thing. So matrilineal culture is a culture in which the women inherit the land, mm. and they're called the garos. And they've lived there for, you know, thousands of years and inhabited that particular region, the jungle. Uh, I think they've, like, come from Mongolia originally, but I don't know the exact 
details, but um, they look very differently. So they have a little more um, uh, different, they have different features than the native Bengalis. They're lighter skinned. And the women also can marry as many people as they want to versus the Bengali Muslims. The men get to marry the, as many wives as they want. Mm. And it's a patriarchal society. So it's quite unique in the sense that here they have survived for so long as a minority within this very densely populated Islamic country. Do you know um, how many approximately are left in that lineage? I don't know, okay. unfortunately. But they're like a really big minority. Like there's not. It's about one percent of the population. One percent yeah. of the population. Wow. Yeah. So and and they're the the indigenous culture of that that area. So as many indigenous cultures across the world are are um, left. They're, they're being pushed out of their yeah, native yeah. habitat, and in this case, it's the jungle. And so a lot of them are being pushed into the city. It's happening yeah. all over the world. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what some of the most optimal practices are from one of the like matrilineages. Um, versus like a patriarchal like lineage like what is what could be some of the benefits of like um, a female inheriting the land and like being a steward of it and mm. um, having multiple partners as men uh, versus like what are some of the ones in a patriarchal hierarchy like what could be some of the most cool aspects to like bring together and be able to uh, I'm feeling optimize? that I'm not certain that it's more cooperative uh, from what I've witnessed, uh, the the matri matriarchal society is more cooperative. The women are much prouder to be seen and heard, mm. and so they walk differently mm. in their villages. They look you in the eye. You go a couple of miles down the road, the women are looking down, they're avoiding the gaze. Um, you know, they feel a little, there's a little bit of an imbalance. The, energy there yeah to have women around the world feeling like they can unleash their gifts most fully is so critical and how we get there is um i hope fast and 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 also um uh, frictionless and seamless and just prosperous and um maya what about that moment for you of of having you know, you had a family for 14 years there, and did, did they decide to make the move to the U.S., or how did you decide to make this move? I decided to move to the U.S. I had been coming here my whole life just because my parents are, are American, and our, much of our family lives here. So I decided it was, I was going to come to school here. So that yeah, that's simple. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and then how about these last couple of years of what you've been up to? Because the journey talks have been so amazing. Um, Indie Bio is an incredible organization. Yeah, tell us about these last couple of years for you. Mm. So when I returned from Bangladesh, um, oh, you actually met. Sorry, you. I did, met my mother. You yes, met your mother. I met my biological yes. mother. Yes, we should, let's let's talk about that first. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and so, so the big turning point for me was that experience was was uh, going back into my past and uh, going deeper into you know, who I was and 
what I wanted to do with my voice and my power in this world once I saw where I came from was that, you know, I, I wasn't going to focus my energy on, on Bangladesh. I wanted to mm. focus my energy on creating a new paradigm, building a new world versus trying to fix an old world. And so I saw that opportunity in working with entrepreneurs because mm -hmm. entrepreneurs are doing that. They are innovators. They are visionaries. They are seeing a future that is yet to be built. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a part of that because um, as Buckminster Fuller, sa Fuller says, I'm sure I messed up his name, um, you know, you, you can't, um, you know, you have to create a new world, mm -hmm. build a new one. Don't try to fix the old one. And so that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the world that is doing just that. Mm -hmm. And so when I uh, came back to San Francisco, I started working mainly, primarily with entrepreneurs. I started the Journey Talks for um, people who were building great technology and doing big things that would be impactful to find their deepest message and be able to share that and develop that for a global stage. What was, what, what were you feeling when you were uh, first meeting your biological mother? Uh, I was, it was a very traumatic experience for me because I, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. You know, I had never met her in my life and people think it might have been a joyous occasion. It, it wasn't, it was, it was very scary for both of us, you know, very, um, uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of pain there. So, you know, it, it helped me to understand that there's some things in life that I'm not able to fix. I'm not able to fix people and I'm not able to fix the past, but I can certainly look toward things that can be created versus fixed. Yeah. And then, um, you guys passed a couple of days together. How long did you guys pass together? Uh, we were, I was there for about a week each time. I'd been several times. Yeah. Yes, yes. And when you're passing that time together, there was there was some like you said there was just this like feeling of of <laughs> it's just like a big. This is a biological mother of yours that you've never met before that had to, that you, that, that you got well, disconnected from. It certainly made me think about nature versus nurture, you know, how much of our lives and how we become who we are as nature and how much of our, us is nurture. And I think it's nurture. So there is a, it's a bit of both, but mm -hmm. yeah, it brought up those questions and it also really made me think about what I wanted to do with my life. Yes. Yeah, because then at that point, it's like, do I help here with this matriarchal lineage? Do I, yeah, yeah do I, mm -hmm, or do I go and assist with these entrepreneurial visionaries and yeah. just build the new paradigm of the future? And what we're doing in San Francisco, I think um, there's a lot of good people here and good people across the world. And so I want to align with those good people and build with those good people yeah okay so you're let's talk about this 
what you're finding. You're, you know, you're finding people in that you find to be visionary that have cool journeys. You're having them come and speak on the stages that you produce. You're also helping the scientists become entrepreneurs at IndieBio as well with the visions to solve some of the world's greatest challenges with, through biotechnology. So how are you identifying the people that you call visionary and then how are you helping them? Mm. So at IndieBio, we have a team of six extraordinary people who uh, reviews the potential investments. And so each of my team members, I, I highly admire and, and it's such a great honor to work with them. And so there's a lot of due diligence into not just the founders, but the technologies they're building. And it's a very intricate process. And, um, you know, not only do we look at, at the science, but we also look at the human, the, mm -hmm. the entrepreneur who is potentially going to lead in the future. Are these people capable of leading? Because we not only help entrepreneurs, sorry, scientists become entrepreneurs, we help entrepreneurs become leaders of movements. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with Memphis Meats, mm -hmm. uh, they were our first cell-based uh, meat investment, uh, which we grew the first uh, meatball in our lab, uh, which essentially has brought light to the cell-based meat industry and movement. And so we really foresee or try to foresee what the future might hold. And, uh, you know, I, I have, um, really hoped it's a priority as, as a venture fund to invest in good people. And we do that. We have some of the most incredible founders. Yeah, so there's this process of like due diligence of screening the both the science and the entrepreneurs themselves to see if they can become leaders. Yeah. And then you bring them into batches yeah. at IndieBio mm -hmm. of about like 12 or something. It's 12 to 15, 15 a batch, yeah. Every six months yeah. you're doing one of these. And then they get, they get a quarter million mm -hmm. dollars for five, Four four percent of eight percent eight percent of the equity, and then they accelerate with your connections, your mentorship networks, your wet lab in downtown San Francisco, and they just like try and go as fast as possible in yeah. those six months. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hopefully, to be able to raise their their next round after yes. at the very end, and you've had over a hundred of these. Yes, now. 111 now. Companies yes. that we have invested in. The enterprise value is currently at $1.4 billion, and we've done this in four years. Uh, they've raised over $270 million, and we've invested in over 40% uh, female founders. Yes. Which is quite a great number. Yes. So we're very proud of the work we're doing, and we are going to continue to grow and build uh, much greater bigger and then who are um, some of the other organizations because we did the cell-based meat what are some of the other ones uh, okay so some of the things that light up my life right now I've always been a big fan of the uh, wood without trees Lindgrove Grove mm -hmm. is the company they uh, have found a way to turn uh, flax into an old wood style 
material. It's pretty cool. We have uh, biomaterials such as plant-based plastics mm -hmm. that can be eaten. Um, most recently, we had a, um, uh, a gene uh, indigo dyeing company mm -hmm. uh, called Tinctorium. And I don't know if you're aware, but currently uh, the denim industry or denim process of, of dyeing genes is uh, very toxic. And so they've uh, patented a way of doing it in a non-toxic mm -hmm. process. And so uh, then we've had, uh, let's see, cell-based pork. Um, mm -hmm. We made the world's first pork sausage from a cell of a pig named Jesse. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've had synthetic wines and whiskeys. Uh, we've made, I'm trying to think of some of our other food companies, a lot of plant-based proteins. So mm -hmm. we look at the future and we think about when there may be a shortage for protein, how can we mm -hmm. create new avenues for a supply chain of plant-based protein or protein that's alternative to what we have right now? Yeah, biology is this m massively uh, undiscovered uh, lineage of evolution that is so baked into us as humans but the central dogma of biology just cells in general and dna and rna and all the complexity there and proteins and what that actually means for being able to apply it for the energy industry the healthcare industry the food industry the all these different industries it's this hypothesized to be like a hundred trillion dollar industry over the next i don't remember like 100 25 years, years only yeah. 25 years something crazy like that yeah yeah, so I mean, traditionally, when you think about biotech, you think about therapeutics and drug development. And I think one of the things we've done really well is we're helping to bring the idea that biotech really can affect industries across the board. And simply by investing in, you know, eight different sectors, you know, from that, that will impact climate change, food supply chain, um, you know, unit diagnostics, uh, oh, sorry, biomaterials, mm. you name it. Like it's, it can affect every single aspect of our life. Yeah. And so um, we have, so, so traditionally when you think about biotech, it's like millions of dollars are being poured into uh, these big, in investments of you know, drug development or therapeutics, but we're giving scientists the chance to really prove an idea and build their prototype and give them the space and the resources to, to prove it. And so it's really allowing uh, these people who, who have out there ideas to come and, and show that maybe there is a possibility for big, yes. big impact. Yes, across all those industries and also to, to do things like um, more readily um, extend our longevity and identify pathologies as they're developing in our bodies. And, and that's a big one. So being able to be more creative for longer in our lives. Another one is um, our ability to, you know, tackle some of these greatest sustainable development goals on the planet. Mm -hmm. Let's... Um, 
I'm really proud of, of IndieBio. I'm really proud of all of the entrepreneurs. It's been such an honor being able to come in and, and interview them on their demo day. We have, if you guys look at IndieBio to search for that on the channel, you'll see just all of these different interviews that we've done with the founders. And um, that, that could be a great way for you guys to um, get inspired or get further engaged in what, in what organizations like IndieBio and all the companies are doing. Let's stay on that, um, on this idea of sustainable development and how IndieBio is doing that and how that's such a central part of your ethos. You know, we find ourselves as stewards of the planet after this long period of evolution and it's this big grand experiment that's happening. And we have to do things like you said at the beginning, we have to tune inward to go inward. We have to align with this higher self and help other people do that and build that more cohesive social fabric. What has been your relationship with Source? Mm. So there are days when I am very connected to Source and my higher self, and there are days when I'm not, as I'm sure is the case mm -hmm. for many people. Mm -hmm. uh, when I am in alignment, when I do feel connected, I feel that I'm in service to my work. I'm in service to a something that is greater than me. And it feels, I'm in flow. It feels a lot easier than having resistance that, oh, I have to do this. And if I mm -hmm. don't do this, it's not good. It's, it comes through me. And so that is my relationship with Source. Mm, love that it doesn't feel like being forced or have to's but it just feels like flow yeah yeah <laughs> i love that now within that relationship how do you identify these um moments of choice because you have these we all have these bifurcating moments of, oh, should I go on a four hour hike or should I go and spend four hours on my work? And like, which one's gonna help me more with my long-term life outcome? How do you figure out what to do in those moments? Mm. So it is a moment to moment choice. And part of consciousness or becoming conscious is the awareness that you have this choice and that it is on a momentary basis. And so, when you begin to live your life with that awareness, you're much more present. And so within that presence, you are aware of, say, your higher self, and then the voice that's always chattering. And you can make the distinction of, well, actually, I'm gonna tune into what's really true for me, what feels real to me, what feels best for me. And you're living more intentionally than in the moment. And you're making choices that are intentional that are in service to your higher good, to the higher good of those around you. Mm. And it's, it's that intentionality that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And do you believe that we have free will or is there some determinism that's at play as well? Honestly, I don't know. That's a debate. Mm -hmm. Yes, we could, we could be sitting here for a while on that debate. Yeah, how does it feel for you? <laughs> um, I like to think I have free will, you know, but who knows, you know, there's a variety of influences around me from the media to the subliminal messages I'm getting, which I'm like actually thinking, no, this is really my idea. Mm -hmm. Who knows? 
Yeah, especially since you're in Indie Bio and in biotech, you know what's going on in your gut. And yeah. there's like so, so much ancient lineage happening in your gut and mm -hmm. that relationship with your heart and your brain and what you're actually yeah, doing. Yeah, there's the whole biology side of this thing. Yeah, these tens of trillions of cells that are put together to form you. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. What is you? <laughs> Where is that I? Yeah. 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 How do you how do you deal with the relationship between the illusion of the I and then you know, you become the drop with the ocean and you can you love that process. We all love that process. But yeah. then you also have have to become the drop in the civilization again to function. How do you how do you work with that process? So again, I think it's the journey and we're all here on our own special journey and we're all experiencing life as as it is the the movement between the eye and the drop of the ocean, the mm. eye and the drop of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we're all in our different speed of mm. going through that realization, that remembrance and so that's how I look at it. It's just like, I'm just on my journey. And, you know, many of us are, are trying to find our, just trying to find our way home, you know? But then we remember, hey, we already are home. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's the ebb and flow. Do you think or feel that there are forces that are at play on the planet that are, you know, past the three-dimensional physical reality that are at play here? On the planet? Well, I think nature has a big role. Yes. Nature is definitely alive all around us and intelligent yes. and conscious. And, but we are part of nature, so that does not discount us. And so do I think there are forces beyond the three-dimensional reality that we experience? Yeah, absolutely. And then your close relationship with indigenous wisdom as well as ours, I like to you know, vibe with you on. Do you feel like our disconnect from nature and source is the reason why we have all these issues in our society? Hmm, yes. Um, well, it starts with disconnection with self mm. and then from disconnection with self, all that mm. it, that is around us. Mm. And again if i if i zoom out and i look at all of us on our individual journeys you know we're all on a path of say healing or letting go or or becoming learning how to become more present or accept more present or accepting of ourselves and of the life we've we're living and so do i think collectively we will become this uh, organism that that is you know, rising to the occasion to fix things on the planet? I don't know. All I know is in my personal journey that the more I connect with self and the more I connect with nature, the more aligned I feel with my higher self and my super intelligence. And it allows me to be more present and more in flow. And that's all I can do on my journey here. Mm -hmm. So if the spirit is not fragmented, if it's whole with itself and with its connection to source, and we can inspire that in, in others, then we can heal ourselves, heal our society, mm. and ramp ourselves up. 
the direction of prosperity? I mean, we've been looking at this for thousands of years. This is the age-old question of, you know, how can how can you one become conscious, right? Mm. It's in all religions. It's like how do we remember who we really are? And so, if you know, people do say become awakened, uh, and and they change the current state of this planet, that's great. But do I think it will happen? Is, is that your question? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Uh, it could, uh, but again, it, it's, it's, for me, I don't expect it. All I know is what I can, can uh, be responsible for, and that is myself. And so, I do see a lot of destruction. I see a lot of darkness around me. I see a lot of, you know, things that I don't have control over, but I feel that I'm able to just, when I, when I focus on myself and, and going within and listening to that voice, as long as I'm doing the healing and the, um, letting go and the practicing the forgiveness, that that will help my immediate community and surroundings and that's what i will do what i can do so i don't i didn't mention this but i had a near-death experience three years ago Mm. which i went into a coma for a few days and had a very profound experience in which i did have a glimpse of what perhaps would be happening beyond life into death and was really left with a sense that I need not worry about death. Death was nothing to fear. And that, um, you know, we like to make things very complicated for ourselves, or at least I did. And the essence of life is is simplicity. And it's um, peace and joy and love. And we certainly come here with a lot of stuff to unpack and make things very complicated. And so as I have gotten older, I just try to simplify as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm. So on a moment-to-moment basis, being closer to joy, peace, and love, and simplicity, and that help, that being brought more to your attention through your near-death experience that death is something to not fear Mm -hmm. live simply my child yes yes and you know sometimes i don't talk about this much because this experience much because it was my my own experience and i think that we're all going to learn what we need to learn while we're here it's it's not my job to tell people what i think happens to you after you die it's it's your your own experiences mm-hmm. it's what you're entitled to yeah what do you think is the relationship between good and evil uh well as in darkness and light you mm-hmm. can't have one without the other there's a, a full spectrum are they both creations of source hmm good and evil i mean it depends how you define that i mean it's all source isn't it some said that that evil was uh, based on the creation of human ignorance, so caused by that. 
It's interesting. Yeah. No. What is the grand meaning of all of this experiment? <laughs> this experiment. That's the grand meaning. I love this show and I love the questions you're asking because they're so <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> and, um, it gives me the opportunity to just go off out there. Uh, what is the meaning of this grand experiment? There is no meaning, Alan. Mm. We are meaning-making machines. We are always looking for meaning, but there is no meaning. And that's okay. So no inherent meaning, and we create the meaning through our adventures of consciousness? I think so. So are we, in a sense, these paint strokes or these grand notes in this symphony or this canvas of creation, we just express ourselves artistically, that brings us meaning? Perhaps, yeah. Again, this is my own opinion. Let's, I, I, I don't claim to know anything broad about the universe, but I do feel personally that, you know, it is what it is. That's my favorite line. It is what it is. It is, what it is. <laughs> Does it feel like we're alone in the cosmos? Well, I do not feel alone in the cosmos ever. I have never felt like I was alone in the cosmos. I was just at Wilbur yesterday looking up at the stars, a very vast night sky, and I was just feeling very happy because I did not feel lonely at all. And it would surprise me if we weren't. There seems to be something special about consciousness and about the humans. And maybe there is some sort of a deeper purpose to extend this, this light further out into the cosmos and mm. have hundreds of billions of humans being creative and experiencing consciousness. So that may be the one uh, opinion of of someone but it's not my opinion I think humanity may be getting ahead of itself and uh, I don't think humanity is any less special or more special than other species on this planet mm. as in the inner uh, experience of us an, an insect with just a couple hundred neurons is as uh, I think we may give ourselves more special preference than we need to, you know. Whether I'm a tree or an insect or cow, like it's all part of part of the part of nature. Mm -hmm. And I think humans um, yeah, I haven't figured this one out yet. We have a lot of hubris uh and if we can quell that a little bit and realize we're more uh, interconnected with nature and with all the other species on the planet, yes, thumbs up. Also, though, we have this 
ability to do just absolutely insane uh, things on this planet. The being now stewards, it gives us maybe a little bit more of a like this species does have somewhat more weight on its variable than the other species that are not able to just drastically change the future trajectory of the planet. Yes, so as a species, since we do have more choices uh, to steer our future, why not make good choices? Mm -hmm. Maya, does this feel like a simulation ever? Sometimes, yes. And I won't go into why I say this, but um, I've often, I, I never understood the matrix until recently in the last few years. And yeah, if it is a simulation, great, you know, make it a great simulation, make mm. it a fun one, make mm. it one where we're doing incredible things on this planet. Mm -hmm. If it's not, okay, well not. So it's not. Yeah, I'd want to be playing the best simulation for sure. The yeah. hardest one, like the one with the most, like you have to rise to the challenge in this one. And that's kind of what it feels like. As like beautiful and peaceful and loving and simple as life is, there's like a lot of complex things that we need to work on and solve, and so it's kind of like that. So you want to you want to be in the best simulation, yeah. I get it. Um, I I just I'm happy that I'm in this body. I'm happy that I have senses to experience life as it is through you know seeing and hearing and talking and mm. the other beautiful things that Earth has to offer and all the the fun things there are to experience. And I try to live within that realm of consciousness as much as possible to uh, perpetuate that, to continuously create that around me. So uh, whether it is a simulation or not, I, I just know that my time here in this particular dimension, this Earth's space is, is one to be enjoyed immensely. Yes, and what would you say is the most beautiful thing in the world? love 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 and connection um being connected to life being connected to the cosmos and being connected to each other that's the most beautiful thing what to does experience. that what does that feel like for you um hmm. when i'm connected to the cosmos as i was yesterday sleeping under the stars uh it was just this feeling of i'm held I'm loved, mm. all is well. Mm. Um, when I am connected to another human, when I'm connecting with other plants, animals, um, it's this feeling of uh, just sweetness. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> and then as people around the world are aiming to unleash their gifts forward. They're aiming to help have their journey talk to the rest of the world uh, and potentially endeavor into cool things like unleashing biotech to solve some of these greatest challenges around the world. What would maybe be something for those that are wanting to like share their journeys and like start these um, these organizations, like what would be something that people could to take on from your advice to like to get more going? Well, my advice is if you're going to be in service to something greater than yourself, don't make it about you. 
make it about what you're in service to. And, you know, it is important to share your voice. It is important to be seen and heard, but you are a vehicle for, for this service and for the good and to not get caught up in that illusion that it may just be about you. This is why I love you so much, Maya. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Oh, oh. We are in service to the grander vision, not about us. To the grander vision. And people can sniff that out, too. You can, like, sniff that out about people. Are they there for the ego and the fame and blah, blah? Or are mm -hmm. they there for the actual vision impacting people? You can literally sniff that. Out. Yeah. yeah. And young people are able to sniff it out at even faster rates, so you can't trick young people they'll sniff you out fast mm. wow maya thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me thank you thank you for coming <laughs> on it's been such a pleasure i'm so happy we finally got a chance to make it happen great yeah and well, our, i appreciate it yeah all right our, our identifying correcting perverse incentives event where you're a panelist was super fun too thank and you. i was just like I was just like this needs to happen it's long overdue so i'm glad that that it did and I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of all of your great impact that you've brought forward and that you've shared on our episode. Thank you. Everyone tuning in, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, check out the links in the bio below. Check out the links to my, check out the links to Indie Bio as well. Check those links out. Also, take the, some of the inspiration that Mai was able to communicate and go and share it with your friends, your families, coworkers, people online talk more about journey talks about your connection to the divine and about unleashing your gifts forth and about using biotech as such a powerful technology to solve some of the greatest world challenges and support the artists the entrepreneurs the spiritual leaders the organizations around the world that you believe in support them and help them grow you can find simulations links in the bio below you can find our Patreon link, our cryptocurrency link. You can find the link to our PayPal down there. You can design cool merch and get paid. All those links are below. And also, go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. We love you very much. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Peace.